I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you've heard this, but um, after the show, it's the uh, after this show, we have the after party. Yeah. And after the party, it's the hotel lobby. Around about four, you better clear the lobby and take her to your room and bang somebody. Let me hear that. Let me hear that. And there's the open. Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I am Kent Garrison. I am Brian Gill. And I am Richard Barden. And this is Mad About Movies. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Showtime. Mad About Movies is an hour-long conversation concerning all things cinematic. First half of the show, we discuss movie news, movie rumors, and of course, movie rumblings. And we talk about what's currently piquing our interest in Hollywood. For the second half of the show, we go over our movie of the week and give our review. But be warned, we will go over detailed plot spoilers. As an added bonus, please stay tuned to the end of each episode for our weekly recommends. In which case, we suggest something that you guys need to check out ASAP. This week, we are focusing our efforts on what, Brian? This week, we'll be talking about Marvel's The Avengers, and maybe some of the Marvel Universe as well. War has started. And we are hopelessly outgunned. Director Fury, I think it's time. I'm really excited. This movie's been out for a while, uh... For those of you who are just now picking up the podcast, the podcast started actually at the beginning of 2013, so uh, we haven't gotten a chance to do this one yet because it came out in 2012, but it is one that is pertinent to uh, the current um, state of cinema, I guess, because Iron Man 3 is about to come out, and a lot of Marvel movies are currently in production, so we'll get a chance to talk about those and that, and uh, have a good time with it, of right. course. And the only movie that came out this weekend was Scary Movie 5, and we, right. we want to save our scary movie coverage for... For episode six, so yeah, this is kind of an off week in yeah. movies, I guess. Um, no, none really called out for our review, and so this coming weekend is Oblivion, and it really kicks off the movie movie season. So get ready, guys. Yeah, man. Let's get things kicked off, shall we, gentlemen? With a little bit of movie news, I wanted to talk about a couple of trailers that have recently come out. Um, it this movie season, I can't stress enough how how excited I am for this summer and for uh, for Oscar season and everything to come around. Uh, one of the most recent trailers that I've gotten a chance to check out, I don't know if you guys have yet, um, it is Neil Blomkamp's Elysium. Have you guys gotten a chance to check it out yet? Yes, I have, and I am stoked. What you I- first impressions of the trailer, Brian? Uh, can't wait. I just can't wait. I it's it's one that it's. Uh, I don't want to see another trailer for it. I, I don't want to see that one any more times than I already have. I want to be – because I feel like there's going to be some big – maybe not surprises, but um, that it's going to be a, a movie that, that goes in a different direction than what we think it is, and I don't want to see anything else about it. Um, but it looks incredible from that first that first trailer. Richard, have you seen it? Nope. My first impression is that I haven't seen it though. <laughs> but uh, I do love me some Damon. And yeah. so this is awesome. Actor. This movie actually has Jodie Foster as the villain. Yeah. I don't know if she's done villain work in the past. Do you guys know? Mm, I, I do not know. Is she the villain so. in Nell? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, the um, trailer looks amazing. Um, 
Neil Blomkamp, man. Every, when I saw the trailer, first thing I thought of was like, this guy needs to do Star Wars, <laughs> like ASAP. Yeah. Like this movie looks just incredible. It really matches that kind of gritty sci-fi style that the original Star Wars had, you know, that yeah. non-polished style. Um, well, and, and District Nine is is a very a very good sci-fi film, one of the better sci-fi films of the last decade, and it'll be interesting to see what he can do with the movie with with a bigger budget and uh, a little more uh, sway, I guess, in Hollywood to work with. Yeah, it. Um, I'm gonna be really excited for District Ten. I hear that's down the pipeline, so hopefully he does that after this. Maybe Elysium too. This will probably be a franchise. I mean, this looks like a Kind of a franchise, you know, tentpole film, don't sure. you think, Elysium? Yeah, definitely could be. It's a really interesting premise, too. What do you know about the premise? Um, you know, I've kind of forgotten about it as as we go. It's it's. I think Matt Damon plays a. It's a futuristic. Obviously, plays a guy who is dying, isn't he? And he uh, he <laughs> has to make it to Elysium, this this uh, planet, to get whatever. Um medical attention or something like that. that I'll pull it up on IMDb. My my impressions of the premise was that this is in a futuristic world um, about 150 years from now. I mean, obviously, it's ridiculous that anything that crazy could happen in 150 years. But basically, they built a giant um, kind of ring around the Earth, Mm -hmm. like a physical ring, like Saturn's ring, it looks like, kind of like Halo-esque. And... Basically, all the rich people on Earth moved up there because Earth was running out of, I guess, natural fossil fuels, and it was just a wasteland. So um, all the rich live up there, and all the poor live on Earth, and I guess Matt Damon is the poor, but he wants to get up to the rich part, and so he's yeah. kind of got a journey journey to Elysium, which is the name of the, the, rich, um, the rich neighborhood. So it's yeah. kind of like Beverly Hills in the Sky. <laughs> and he's kind of in Compton, you know, trying to work his way, you know, to be the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or whatever. So uh, this is a really, really interesting trailer, and I was I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. Anything else for movie news? Yeah, I mean, the Superman trailer hit, right? We've got that. We've got Wesley Snipes confirmed for Expendables 3. Yeah. Is uh, that true? Yeah. I came across a couple hours ago. Come on, guys. Do your homework. Um, <laughs> I'm not really... on a blog right now looking. I, I don't know. I'm not either. But uh, <laughs> but Wesley Snipes is is confirmed for that. The Superman uh, returns. Or pardon me. Yeah, Superman returns trailer. Uh, the 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 uh, Man of Steel trailer is out, and that looks I think pretty incredible, right? I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Kent? Uh, this is the first trailer that I'd seen. It's trailer number three, I believe. It's the first yeah. trailer that I'd seen that actually kind of showed anything. Yeah. The other stuff was kind of just artsy shots of just a cape blowing in the wind and, yeah. you know, silhouettes and things like that with the voiceover. This looks incredible. Um, you kind of get you get a sense of what they're going for for Krypton, the planet Krypton. It looks incredible. Yeah. yeah Russell Crowe looks amazing, um, as always. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> they – this looks incredible. I mean, you get a sense of what the plot is about. Um, Amy Adams, you get to see her first, a little funny little dialogue at the end of the trailer between yeah. her and, and Clark. And, I mean, I'm blown away. I literally watched it uh, about two minutes before we got on this podcast for the first time, and, yeah, I'm I'm speechless, really. I mean, Brian, Zach's, what do you think? Or Richard, go ahead. 
Zack Snyder, I mean, I, I think is really super talented if you let him just kind of handle visuals. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think from what I've gathered <laughs> with Nolan and Goyer really handing the, handling the creative direction and letting uh, letting uh, Snyder really almost be a director of photography, um, it's, it's really interesting to see what they could do. I think he's I think Snyder is absolutely brilliant and a really cool choice to bring to this project. Um, and a lot of his other movies have la- have lacked some you know story direction, so it's nice to kind of have the Nolan Goyer combo to kind of guide him through that and really let his uh, his best assets shine. I- I'm really pumped. I, I don't know if I've- I think this might be my most uh, anticipated movie of the year. Nice, Brian. Yeah, I-, I was not at all a fan of uh, of Zack Snyder being added to the as the director, and really wasn't juiced about this movie in in general uh, i think i've said before on the podcast superman bores me um just in general and i've never seen a a i don't love any of the the superman movies whether it's the christopher reeve versions or the certainly the uh superman returns um but with each trailer that comes down the pipes i get more and more excited and this one just completely pushed me over the edge this looks great um and it it's definitely jumping up my list on on uh as far as what I'm interested in the most for uh, for this upcoming upcoming summer, uh, Michael Shannon as General Zod that looks pretty awesome. Yeah, um, I'm excited about that. I'm certainly more excited about General Zod than I am Henry Cavill as as Superman himself, to be honest. But um, yeah, looks great, great visuals. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully, Richard, you're right that it's that uh, Snyder's kind of been given control over the the visual side of things and the, the, the way that shot and all that good stuff. And, and Nolan and Goyer are, are doing what's important as far as the story and whatnot. Cause you're right. He, he definitely knows what he's doing um, behind the camera. It's just the, uh, the storytelling aspect that has lacked in the past. So, yeah, I, you actually get a, a kind of a sneak at the score too, the original score. Cause the news came down that they're not using the John Williams theme. And I believe at the end of it of the trailer, whenever Superman kind of goes into supersonic speed, if you will, the uh, the score kicks in, and man, it's epic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it gave me goosebumps. It's like Hans Zimmer times a thousand. Uh, man, this this I don't see how this movie could suck, honestly. After seeing this trailer, you know, yeah, it's like there. If I can tell, they haven't put any of the good stuff in the trailer yet. You know what I mean? And yeah, saving yeah. all the real stuff for sure. The actual all movie. very, very quick cuts. The whole in all the trailers, very quick cuts where you're not giving away too much, but giving you a nice taste of what is to come. Yeah, I agree. Unlike unlike movies like the movie we're doing tonight, The Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises. In The Dark Knight Rises trailer, when they show the football field being blown up, yeah, I was like, yeah. wow, if they can top that, I'll be impressed. <laughs> and I don't know right. if they did, but. Uh, that's another – and they show the bridges being blown up. I mean they show pretty much every big scene it seems like in that in that man, uh, Dark Knight Rises trailer. This this kind of like felt almost like a teaser, a two-and-a-half-minute teaser. Yeah. Um, but it's great and I'm stoked and it's only about a couple months away, right? Beginning of yeah. June? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's not it's, far off. Yeah, mid-June. So what do we, what does this make us think now the kind of, of the Justice League – you know, since this is our this is our Avengers pod later in the in the podcast. I mean, we, we talk a little Justice League here. Sure. Um, sure. Does this make you a lot more enthused about that potential project? It really does. I mean, I was thinking about Justice League as I was watching this, 
trailer, and I gotta say, man, if this is the direction they're going in, I'm I'm very excited for for DC. Um, it seems like they're almost going in the opposite direction of what Marvel is doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Marvel is going for this really like, I mean, the Avengers is is case in point. Like the main battle scenes in the Avengers are like in daytime, in broad daylight, and they're yeah. like. In the middle of New York, you know, like in this I mean, Man of Steel. It's, it's, it's Disney like, for a reason. I mean, yeah, Dis- right. I mean, it's Disney superheroes. This seems like, you know, it's raining outside and everything's gray, gray skies. And like, it's still got that gritty Dark Knight feel to it, you know, that DC mm-hmm. Comics feel. And I hope they stay that way because I love the Avengers for what it is, you know, and, and for how bright it is. I think it fits the tone perfectly. But I would. I don't want to see them go in that direction with DC. Uh, yeah, you know if, and I mean? if they're smart, they won't. I mean, that's that's that is their commodity. The commodity they have is that sort of dark superhero story. And sometimes it's overly serious, and sometimes it's it's a beatdown. But uh, that is their commodity, you know, especially in the last ten years or so. So I mean, if they're going to do it, I mean, at least do what you're good at. Yeah, exactly. Brian, thoughts on it? Yeah. I'm a, if this turns out well the way we think it's going to, then I'm certainly in the camp of uh, I'm 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 ready and willing to give it a chance. The my only issue with with the Justice League as a movie is that I don't I don't feel like it has the the sturdy uh, ground to stand yeah. on that the Avengers did because Green Lantern is terrible. Um, this Man of Steel. Uh, I don't know how you uh, to say. I don't know how you build off of off of Nolan's Dark Knight series, uh, especially if they if they can't uh, get get uh, Bale to come back. They were constantly getting a Wonder Woman TV show or movie like up, and then it then it fails. And so I don't, you know, Avengers had such a strong base to stand on. I don't know that D- that uh, Justice League has the same has the same legs. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a great point. I mean, you know, it, it needs to be said. I mean, for those that may not, I mean, those whole every pretty much every Marvel movie post Fantastic Four has been made with that intent to eventually right. do, you know, so so you know, meetings were had and scripts were written, you know, specifically for a Justice League. I mean, pardon me, a Mar- an Avengers. Uh, Avengers spin, you know, I I don't know if if Nolan, you know, wrote wrote uh, Batman Begins and and Dark Knight with with yeah. any sort of uh, Justice League intention. If he did, I'll be, I mean, that would be cool. I mean, what if he had right. that in mind all along? Right. I, I don't think he did though. But uh, so you're right. The cleanliness of the of the Avengers and how seamless it all, seamless, pardon me, it all fits together is is certainly uh, its best asset. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of make it up on the fly with. Uh, with Justice League, I personally don't think they can. Yeah, I don't, and I also don't think those those superheroes go together as cleanly yes. Yes. in general. Absolutely. Like the 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 you know Avengers really have a uh, whoever figured that out originally. I don't, I don't know enough about comic book lore to say that, but whoever figured out the whole Avengers thing uh, originally uh, really did a great job incorporating every hero's strength into it. I I, I honestly just don't know if if. I, I didn't watch Justice League as a kid, except for you know occasionally on like cartoon. I'm following at the Legion of Doom, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. And if you're gonna do that, I mean that's cool. Bring back that guy, but uh, right at the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, no, you're uh, you're right. I mean that that's part of the, the thing. I think is that the 
uh, Thor and the Hulk and uh, Captain America and Iron Man are all very interesting characters that obviously can carry their own uh, film, let alone be blended into a a bigger, better um, whole in the Avengers. Besides Batman and Superman, who in the Justice League really gets you jazzed? You know, it's yeah. uh, Wonder Woman, I guess. Um, Aquaman's pretty awful, just could in been, general. Could have been Green Lantern if they had done it right. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, and they blew Green Lantern, yeah. and I, yeah, Green, I don't even Green know Lantern if you could have been the Thor of this movie, right? I mean, the, the right. kind of galactic one. I mean, yeah. you would think Thor wouldn't fit in, but they managed to do it because they did it well. Right. And uh, they didn't do uh, Green Lantern well, as yeah, we've discussed. Well, I don't even know if you could include Green Lantern in the Justice League now just because of how, how poorly received that movie was. I, I mean, that's you're taking a risk there. It was just or, so ahead of its time, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Yeah, I'd be willing to, to think at this point, like you said, they're probably, they're probably trying to find another character to fill in that, that Green Lantern spot. Yeah, uh, Ryan yeah, Reynolds it, has already said he wouldn't come back, and a lot of people are well, maybe, would avoid that role. So maybe yeah. it's Bradley Cooper as the Flash. Yeah, um, maybe it's. If I'm yeah. willing to, if I would put money on it, I bet I bet it would be um, Henry Cavill, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Bradley Cooper, and uh, some somebody as Wonder Woman. Who knows, Jessica yeah. Biel or something. You know. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's that's interesting. Yeah, I would see that. Yeah. I, I like I said, like after seeing Man of Steel, like if this is direction they're going in, and if Man of Steel lives up to the potential that it has, I mean, like I'm gonna be, it's gonna be hard to even beat, you know, Man of Steel for Marvel. Marvel's gonna have to look at that and be like, holy crap, you know, and have yeah. to kind of rethink what they're doing. Um, I wanted to mention a little bit more Marvel news while we're in movie news. Um, Brian, you want to mention it? Actually, it's your, your, your kind of your story. So no, you can hit it. Go ahead. Sure. Go ahead. Um, well, Guardians of the Galaxy casting is still going on, and they have cast uh, Michael Rooker from The Walking Dead, who plays Merle from The Walking Dead uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. He doesn't play one of the Guardians, or he plays one of the Guardians, but not one of the, I guess, new Guardians. So I guess he's probably going to be like kind of like an old wise, you know. Kenobi type character, yeah. Um, that's really cool. Do you, what do you think about that? I like that, and I, I'm becoming more and more excited about that project as we get as we get more news. I like the casting choices that they're making. I feel like they're, I from my understanding, this is going to be a movie that that is budgeted under a hundred million dollars. It's going to be in the fifty to seventy five range. I, I feel like I know that. Maybe I'm making that up, but um, I. If you're going to make a movie in that range, I think it's a smart idea to bring in uh, to bring in actors and actresses that you know that you're going to recognize, but that are not big names necessarily. And that's what they're doing. I feel like with Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana, and I guess Jim Carrey. If they ended up getting, wasn't that what we talked about before? They're, about, they're trying to get, I believe, Jim Carrey. Yeah, sure, so. that would be a little bit different. But uh, Michael Rooker's a, a very good character actor that was kind of forgotten, I think, for a while um, before before The Walking Dead. I mean, that's a guy that's been in the business for a really long time. He's in Tombstone, yeah. uh, which is one of my favorite movies, but and that was right. 20 years ago, you know? I mean, he's he's been rolling for a long time, but I feel like, obviously, The Walking Dead has given him uh, quite a bit more pull um, and, and a presence in Hollywood, so... But I think that's a good... I, I, I like the casting decisions that they're 
they're making with this movie, and I'm I'm getting more and more excited about what we're gonna get from it. I love the news of Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Yeah, and if you don't know, Gamora is basically if you if you read the latest incarnation of Guardians, basically she's described as quote unquote the most powerful woman in the universe. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and she looks exactly like her. So she's playing. So I mean, she's playing Oprah. Yeah, <laughs> basically Galactic Oprah. That's a good okay. way to put it. Yeah, right on. So she, man, this is this is going to be an awesome movie, guys. Like, it's really going to be like an Avengers type feel, but it's going to be introducing all new characters. You know, it's and I I really think if they can hammer home the Rocket Raccoon, if they can do that correctly, yeah, that's going to be one of the classic characters in cinema. Like. He it, like if you know the character, like that's such a great great character. I'm so glad they're bringing bringing it to the to the big screen. So stoked about that. Did you guys get a chance to see the Ant Man footage that I that I sent you? No, I did. I did. Yes, I did yes. too. Yeah. Yep. What did you guys think about that? It looked good. Definitely interesting. I mean, that's a. I, I'm very interested in that project and and much more since you since I saw that uh, that footage. That's uh. Uh, he knows how to make a movie, so I'm excited. It's gonna be cool. Yeah, Richard, what'd you think about it? I mean, exact same as Brian. I knew nothing about it really, though, until you sent that to me, and now I'm now I'm pretty peaked. So I was excited. Yeah, it's really interesting. Interesting way they shot the. They're going for it. I mean, yeah, it's like gonna be shrunk and then big and then shrunk and then big. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a very hard thing to put on the screen, you know, um, almost unfilmable, you know, but. Hey, I don't know who they're going to cast as Ant-Man, though. I mean, that's going to be a pretty big role, you know? Yeah. I bet Ant-Man maybe, will be in the next Avengers, you know? Yeah. So Maybe the comedian Ant. Could they do that? Oh, that... I like it. Ah. That's that's what we call stunt casting there, my friends. Adam Ant. There you go. Yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the 80s uh, rock 80s. star. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Anything else you guys want to mention for movie news? No, not really. No, like like Brian it. said, it's such a slow week. Um We'll start. Yeah, we had a lot of trailers this week, but almost nothing nothing else of value. I, I have one more thing I want to mention sure. that I can mention. Please do. There, um, Netflix has has been actively pursuing original content. Yes. Um, for, for the past, I would say 2013, they kind of kicked it off with, with House of Cards. And the rest of development is coming up down the pipeline um, at the end of May. And so... What do you think about this original content? I, I wanted to mention that Amazon Prime, they have mm-hmm. kind of a Netflix competitor. They're also pushing original content. Yeah, I think and, Hulu is too uh, right. shortly. And Amazon is developing right now or, or filming right now a Zombieland uh, yeah. television series. Mm. Doesn't It doesn't involve the original cast, but it's the same character, same, I mean, same, uh, I guess, setting and everything. So what do you guys think of this uh, original content stuff? Does it interest you at all? I love it, and I, I think I've spoken before about how I feel like it's important that Arrested Development and House of Cards and whatever else that Netflix and Amazon and Hulu put out, uh, it's important that they that it gets good good reviews, gets good viewership, all that sort of thing, because I think we're moving further and further away from where networks are going to be featuring anything that I want to watch. and. <laughs> I want to watch Arrested Development. I want to watch House of Cards. Um, right. I whenever, feel like whenever like Mad Men goes off the air this this 
next year, you know, yeah. and like Breaking Bad and The Office and everything is done. Right. Like, what are you gonna? What is there gonna be to watch? There's right. nothing that's, to watch, you know. Girl exactly. meets world. Girl, Girl meets world. Girl meets world. Yeah, but you know, I mean, as far as the four big networks are concerned, I feel like more this year for sure was was a year. I don't think I added a single show to my. Uh, to my viewing, you know, like what I, what I record on my DVR, I've never done that before where there's always at least one show that I, I feel like, yeah, I want to watch that or at least give it a chance. Um, almost everything that the networks put out was just garbage. I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, yeah. and so you're, we're getting to a point where I, at least for the next few years, I think you're going to see more and more of that stuff. You know, you're going to see more and more stuff like ABC's splash and, uh, <laughs> Just garbage like that. How that, uh, dare I, you? <laughs> that uh, <laughs> I want nothing to do with. And so you're going to need places like uh, – well, at, networks like FX are, are certainly picking up the slack. Um, but but uh, Netflix and Hulu and, and Amazon, those are going to be important YouTube is actually places. pushing it as well. YouTube sure. has invested hundreds of millions of dollars apparently in original original uh, content. So it's, it's – it's, you know, I was, I was listening to something earlier today about the – about the fall of the original studio system in Hollywood when television came along mm-hmm. and uh, sort of revolutionized the way people um, consume content, and uh, you know, and really, I suppose, ended what people consider the golden era of Hollywood and began what others consider the golden era of television. Right? Everyone has their own golden era, um, especially uh, anyway. Uh, but uh, so, and I think this is very reminiscent of that, uh, where. Uh, television is going to be forced to really evolve or uh, be rendered sort of obsolete in the way, at least that they they were previously able to spend money. Uh, and I think the internet may be the new, I mean, obviously internet's way of the future in a myriad of different ways, but uh, in, in, the, in now original content, I think it, it's now, I think this has been a huge year. I mean, not necessarily 2013, but this calendar year of, of original programming, even silly stuff. I mean, Yahoo has that bachelor parody, yeah, you know that's stupid. I mean, that's just silly stuff. But that is a weekly show that people consume. I think now, as you sort of break that precedent in people's brain, that you can go to the internet for original programming. Uh, now it's just going to be coming out of the woodwork, and you can, you know, just like pot, you know, we 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 say this on a podcast, which is you know either revolutionized or ruined uh, terrestrial radio, the, depending on yeah. the way you look at it. Um, and, and so uh, this is, uh, I, I don't think a, a big enough deal is being made of this. This is a, uh, I think, a paradigm shift. In the in in modern entertainment, yeah, I what you said, you're kind of, kind of going where I was going to go with it. I the next, I mean, you I'm two us steps three, in, you can't deal with it. You are. We are on the same bra- <laughs> uh, wavelength there. I, uh, um, in the next year or two, guys, things are going to change. Like you, us three, I would say we are very ahead of the curve when it comes to comes to consuming our content, our media. Um, we are we're always online. I mean, we do most of it on demand through the internet. You know, we look on Netflix. We we find ways to, to consume this content. Um, I think what the release of I mean, not yet, but I mean, the Apple TV set when it eventually comes out, it's going to really really help these a la carte channels and these a la carte like YouTube stations and you know Amazon Amazon Video and Netflix and HBO Go and things like that. Um, that's going to be the future. I mean. People are going to do it all on demand, and and podcasts is like you said. That's just another thing that's it's going to just boom in popularity. You know, in the next three or four years, it's going to mm-hmm. be right there on your television set for every everyone to listen to. So, 
Um, I'm excited about it. Um, a lot of the content interests me. Some of it doesn't. Um, I think it's all if you can come up with an interesting premise and um, sell it to an audience. You got, I mean, you've got a built-in audience uh, on, on a lot of that and, stuff. And it's it's going to change the way things are a lot in the in the long term. Uh, however, I think we're really in this kind of golden age, right? I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, when companies tend to figure out how to monetize things, it's normally, uh, it also sort of happens to be the same time that those things are then ruined. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. the fact that we're in this kind of wild, wild west of of original programming on the internet is is probably going to be the best era ever for it. Because, look, you know, business executives aren't funny and they're and they're not creative, um, but they think that they should be. And so they start getting their grubby little hands in on everything and, right. and, and make things uh, much worse. Uh, the, the, the perk of the internet right now is not so much the medium. I mean, obviously the on-demand delivery is great, but it's, it's kind of outside the studio system. You're, you're having, you know, tech companies that are in charge that, that kind of leave really brilliant creative people alone and say, you know, go do, go do this. Here's some money. We're going to get out of your way. Go do whatever you're going to do. You obviously have a following. We can prove that you're going to make money. Go, for the love of Pete, go make money and, and, uh, do some cool stuff. And, uh, Pete's a good friend of mine. Um, but, uh, he, uh, so I think though on the negative end of that, as more companies start to see, is this the wave of the future? Uh, you know, I think it'll get worse. I, I, I would be shocked if shows as good of houses, cards, and now arrested development, a, a terrestrial show making its way now to online will, will be the norm in five years. Because unfortunately when businesses get involved, not to be Mr. Uh, hippie, uh, but uh, you know, when businesses get involved, oftentimes creativity tends to dwindle. Yeah. And there is, I mean, there are beacons of hope on TV that aren't just Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. I, I mentioned FX and I would encourage. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. What day it came out on the on the break over the break? But uh, um, there is a podcast on the Grantland Network uh, where the Hollywood Prospectus, where the uh, where Andy Greenwald talked to the the guy who's in charge of all programming at FX, and it was a fascinating. Uh, Richard, did you listen to that one? I can't remember if I had yeah I did talk to you. You about told it. me about it. You told me about it, and I listened to it uh, about two or three days ago. It was a fascinating look at what TV can be when you do exactly what you just said, Richard. When you just you just let it be, you know, yeah. just give people, give creative people the the ability to go and make make good television, um, and just kind of trust that it's gonna do well. Yep. Um, and that that's kind of the HBO model as well. And so um, there's an opportunity for. For uh, for channels and networks like FX and and uh, AMC, um, and I guess maybe TNT, all those sorts of networks to kind of take a chunk of what's happening, well, the market that's shifting away from the four major networks, and and take over that. And it's going to be interesting to, for me personally to see whether or not they're going to take advantage of that, the way that Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and whatnot, the way that they're doing it. Right. Uh, so far, the only only success story really has been House of Cards. Um, I think Netflix has pushed another series or two out that haven't been successful. Um, I don't yeah. know if they starred Kevin Spacey type people <laughs> and were directed by David Fincher those series, but um, I mean, Arrested Development is going to be huge. I mean, it's going to be when it comes out like. If you haven't seen it, you're just going to be a loser. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. even like yeah, it's going to be huge i don't know how they're making money because there's no ads you know what i mean yeah I, i'm sure netflix is like hey we'll pay you this amount for this amount of episodes but 
Um, well, for they're you know they're printing money because I mean they oh totally I mean they they, they bought the Disney animated canon to start airing on Netflix next year. Any Disney movie, I mean, I I can assure you that's not cheap. So their pockets are deep. They might have short arms to get to them sometimes, but they've got deep pockets. What they're what they're in the business of doing on the business side now is now is all, you know, the first five years of that company on Netflix were about uh, acquiring customers. Yeah. And now they're in the business of retaining those customers. Right. And uh, original programming is the way to do that um, because now you have established yourself as the premium brand in that online entertainment. You, you've shifted from you know mail-out DVDs, which gosh, how old does that already sound, yeah. uh, to a streaming company. And now you, you, you have to retain that against competition by uh, you know, using that money – uh, to, to set yourself apart and essentially set yourself as the first ever online network, uh, or at least not the first ever, but the most uh, prestigious online television network or movie network or whatever. Right. So, uh, I mean, this is they they will not make money on it in a in a sense that we are familiar with, uh, but they will make money on it in the fact that they will keep getting eight ninety five at a certain percentage uh, that aids their revenue. As opposed to you know people getting tired of you know I've seen every episode of of Gilmore Girls now I think I'll I'll get rid of my Netflix uh, membership so you're All gonna right. see Netflix as in my opinion on the business side whereas some networks AMC for instance tries to have a little bit of something for everybody the those that watch Walking Dead may not necessarily watch Mad Men those who watch Mad Men may not necessarily watch Breaking De- Bad I think you will see a very diverse portfolio from Netflix to try yeah. to everyone now has a reason to keep their Netflix I have it because I like House of Cards Brian you have it because you want to see season 4 of AD you know Kent you have it because you want to see um you know the like online the only yeah, the online only toddlers and tiaras or whatever it is, <laughs> and everyone has their thing. I think you're going to see a really broad base yeah. and not necessarily a Netflix brand like you would see with an FX or an AMC, but a really broad base uh, of content, which is exciting. It's interesting to yeah. see what they're going to come up with. Well, and their production costs are so much lower too. That's part of how they can do all this is they – you know, you can get Kevin Spacey to come in and, and shoot 13 episodes of House of Cards for A, far less than what he's making and B, in a – very minimal amount of time um, and and push it so he can go back to to uh, England and do more more plays and things like that. Um, Brian, why is that? Why are they able to have a quicker turnaround and, and all that than the network? I think it's some of it is network unions um, okay. and and not having to have as much. You well, don't have to go through the process of getting right. the, the distribution rights right. and yeah. all you that. You don't have to I deal mean, with that. You, you don't have to deal – right. You don't have to sell um, ads for it. I mean exactly. every show and, that goes on TV has yeah. ads. I mean companies say, I want to advertise during your show and things like that. You know, they, right. It's it's basically you make it and as soon as it's done in the editing room, they can literally email it to the guy and put it right. online on put Netflix. On. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's and like not even a physical season, product anymore. Right. The shorter season helps as well. I mean that's like – Part of the reason why uh, the Conan show on TBS is successful is because they only shoot, I think, 42 weeks a year as opposed to okay. 49 or whatever that like Leno okay. and, and Letterman do. So you're, you know, you're building in lower costs just by not having a 23-episode season and doing 13 episodes instead. Right. Um, so yeah, you're, all the stuff you said is 100% correct. It also is just – it helps that it doesn't cost them near as much to, mm-hmm. to make what they're, what they're putting out. Yeah, any, any other thoughts on this, guys? 
No, I'm fascinated with it. I, I think it's a uh, it's something we've talked about it before on the pod, and it's it's a it's a major uh, interest of mine uh, because I just I want good programming so badly, and I'm not getting that from from the four major networks. And I know that the three of us are not alone in that. You know, I spend the majority of my time on t- watching TV on Netflix, catching up on shows. You know that are on right now that are in their last seasons. You know, sure. Like Netflix is such a good way to just catch up. On, yeah. on a show or, or like Lost or something, you know? Right. I never got the chance right. to see every episode of Lost. Now I can, you know? I love Netflix because they really seem like they know what, what people want. So uh, Rest of Development comes out on the 26th of May, and uh, we'll be reviewing season four right here on the Mad About Movies podcast. It's not a movie, but um, I think it's worthy of our review. And, definitely. Uh, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, stick around for that um, at the end of May um, and get excited because I'm pretty excited. If you can't already tell. Oh, yeah. Uh, You guys want to talk about Avengers? Let's do it. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. So when we needed them, they could fight the battles. That we never could. Gentlemen. All right, guys, so let's talk about The Avengers. Um, I love this movie. I just want to put that out there. This is one of my favorite movies of the year last year. Um, I've probably watched it more times than any other movie um, of last year. I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe I've seen Django Unchained um, at this point the same amount of times. Maybe. Um, there's a few. Prometheus, maybe. 
I've gone back and watched it a bunch of times, but I mean, I love it, this movie. I rewatched it today or uh, with a commentary on, with Josh Whedon's commentary on Blu-ray, which I suggest buying. If you don't have the Avengers, I suggest buying the Blu-ray because it has a lot of great special features. And uh, I loved it, and I love Josh Whedon's uh, insight that he gives, and I, um, I'm obsessed with this movie. Brian? Yeah, uh, one of my top five movies of the year for 2012. I, it's definitely the movie that I've watched the most uh, from last year. I've, I've, I've popped it in several times just when I didn't have anything else going on and watched it. It's highly enjoyable. Um, if it's, we might want to talk, talk about the, the hierarchy of superhero comic book movies and whether or not it's the best one is, is up for debate. In my opinion, it is, it is definitely the most enjoyable, most entertaining, uh, big, big time sci or a uh, big time, uh, comic book movie, uh, ever. So, Really love this movie a lot. Richard. Uh, well, I love this movie a, a, a great deal. I loved it when I saw it. Um, unlike you two, I have seen this movie precisely one time. Okay. Wow. And it was opening weekend, and I have not seen it since. I don't know why or how. I don't – unlike you guys, I'm not a DVD viewer or Blu-ray viewer too often. Right. Um, and so – I just I don't know why I've just gotten out of the habit of doing that over the last five years or so. So um, I will I I meant to watch it all last week in prep for this, but I didn't get a chance. But I I will say so I can I can maybe give a unique perspective as, as sort of the common man on this, and I I didn't really attack it like a comic book movie. I really just went in and, and just purely viscerally enjoyed it. Now you're absolutely right; it was one of my favorite movies of last year too. Um, unfortunately, I've I've only seen it once. I I can't I need to watch it again. I'm very excited. I love Joss Whedon. Um, I think it's a really, I mean, the, the, the level of difficulty on that movie is, is about a nine or a 10 and, and yeah. to pull off that kind of scope and still make it kind of family, family friendly almost, and still, sure. uh, keep the spirit of really all of those movies. I mean, it, it feels like an Iron Man movie and it feels like Thor and it feels like Captain America, uh, is, is, is a, is a Marvel to behold. <laughs> hi <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> See, because what he did there was he said Marvel, and and that's that's the company. Right, hold, hold on, right, let it breathe, let it breathe, <laughs> guys. Let's just let it breathe. Okay. Anyway, so it, it was a, uh, it's a, it was I think the quintessential summer movie. I mean, I think when I think of summer blockbusters, I used to always think of Men in Black for some reason, and now I, <laughs> now I think of Avengers. <laughs> nice. Yeah, um, Brian. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, you said a little bit about the state of kind of superhero movies um, prior to the Avengers. I guess we can kind of talk now about about after about after the Avengers. Um, my opinion, um, I still think that The Dark Knight is the best superhero movie of all time. Aside um, from Green Lantern, can we aside just... from Green Lantern, I mean, <laughs> it's not even in the same sentence. I mean, for a number of reasons, but that the. <laughs> I love The Dark Knight. I think The Dark Knight is not even a superhero movie, really. It's more of a heist film, James Bond, you know. Um, yeah. And I don't really – I mean, I when I'm watching The Dark Knight, I honestly have to stop and um, remember that, wow, this is Batman that I'm watching. You know, this is – why am I – why do I – why am I caring about how realistic this is? Because this is Batman, you know what I mean? It's yeah. supposed to be bombastic and crazy, but it never felt that way. Um, the Avengers – I gotta admit, this is probably my most hyped movie I, of all time. I, 
obsessed with the Marvel films. I loved Iron Man. Iron Man is probably my favorite um, character ever. Not my favorite movie, but definitely my favorite superhero character. Um, I absolutely loved what what Favreau did with the first uh, Iron Man film, and I loved portions of what he did with Iron Man 2. But Iron Man 1 is just great. I mean, so solid. The way it was grounded in in reality with Afghanistan and and um, and that whole narrative was just brilliant. And I wasn't familiar with the Iron Man story really much before that movie. But yeah, I immediately um, fell fell in love with with that whole character. Um, I I kind of liked Captain America. Um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about the movie, but I enjoy Captain America as a film. I really like what they did with, um, with blending the, the young Steve Rogers or the small Steve Rogers with the big Steve Rogers, you know, after he gets, becomes a super soldier. I thought that was very effectively done. Very well done. I liked the score for Captain America. I thought that was the best score probably for any of the, any of the Marvel films. Um, I, Thor was probably easily my least favorite of all of them. Um, I just... I'm kind of like Richard on th- on stuff. Like I don't really like um, myth mythology very much. You know, I'm not really yeah. into that whole fantasy element of it. Um, the Hulk, I I like the Hulk. I liked Edward Norton as the Hulk. Um, certain parts of it, I can see why he didn't come back, and I can see why they went with Ruffalo. But I thought the Hulk movie was a good and effective way of setting up his story. And so coming into this, I had no reason. For it not to be my most anticipated of all time, um, uh, man, and did it um, ever pay off for me? Uh, what do you? Uh, what do you? What's your favorite superhero movie? Or you already said it, Brian. But what? Um, told, told me a little bit about what you thought of the other other Marvel films. Yeah, I I would go the the least favorite one for me is is, is uh, Incredible Hulk, and then I would probably say Iron Man two. Um, Thor, Thor has grown on me. I wasn't a huge fan of Thor coming out of the theater. I think Thor um, is a beautiful film. Don't get me wrong there. I think it's incredibly well, you know, conceptualized and sure. put on screen. But it was just the narrative didn't really was sure. really attractive to me well, at all. The the side characters in Thor uh suck. All of them. Uh yeah. Natalie Portman's character is completely worthless. The Kat Dennings character, I know Richard has a thing for Kat Dennings, but her character in that movie is pointless. Most of Thor's, uh, I can't remember what they're called now, but his companions are pretty meh. Uh, but Chris Hemsworth is so good and so likable, in my opinion, uh, in general, but especially in that role that I've seen Thor now probably three or four times, and I, I grow to like it a little bit more. Uh, with each viewing, um, but after that, I, w- I would Captain America is my second favorite, and Iron Man is far and away uh, my favorite of the of the Marvel Universe preceding Avengers. Um, yeah, not even close on that one. I, Iron Man would would certainly find a place in my top five uh, superhero slash comic book movies of all time, and and probably a very prominent place. Um, but I, I I think all of the movies have value. Even Incredible Hulk, I would say, is a B or a B plus. So if that's the worst movie from your series, then you're doing you're doing pretty good. There's um, a scene in The Incredible Hulk that is incredible. The one where the Hulk kind of hold like, on, hold on, let it breathe, let it breathe. <laughs> okay, go ahead, continue. Where the Hulk is destroys the like Humvee or whatever. Remember yeah. that scene? Yeah. 
in a kind of the university courtyard or whatever. Right. That was yeah. that was awesome. And uh yeah, so that scene was great. But anyway, I lost the train of thought there. Um <laughs> No, but I think bringing all those five together, kind of what Richard said, uh, they all have different themes and have different tones. And uh, Whedon, I got to, I got to admit that coming the last month leading up to Avengers, I started to get really nervous about it that it wasn't going to live up to my expectation because I'm with you, Kent. It was, it's one of the most anticipated movies of my life. Um, my, not it was as second only to me to Phantom Menace. Sure, yeah. Behind you know that one I mean? and behind behind the Hobbit for me as well, but maybe a couple others here and there, but certainly far up on that list and I I started to get nervous about it. I started to feel like this is such a daunting task that I'm not sure that uh we're going to be able to 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 make this work, but Whedon did a tremendous job of blending all of those characters and their very their much different varied worlds that they all live in uh, at blending those together to make that, to make the movie so cohesive. Um, and then you, ha- on top of that, you have an incredible script that, uh, I mean, really hits the mark on every, on every level does, does more than you could ever expect from a script for a, a superhero blockbuster tentpole movie. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, what did you guys think about uh, Josh Sweden's direction? Let's talk about that. Uh, Richard Barden. Uh, well, I'll preface this by saying, uh, like I said earlier, I think the scale of that m- movie is is darn near impossible. Uh, it, and I'll go back a little bit, um, and <laughs> you won't believe this because I, you 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 have me dead on, Ken. I, I don't care for. I mean, I love mythology in like book form, but I mean, not in movie form. I, I love Thor, um, in for a couple reasons. And, and Brian is is absolutely dead on with his criticism. Um, First off, uh, Chris Hemsworth is a movie star, right? Yes. We can all we can yes. all admit to that. That guy's really good and is really charming. And that character is is not the easiest to like make likable <laughs> at all. And he he's that guy's a movie star. Um, second, being uh, as I discussed, I mean that can be anytime there's outer space involved and superheroes, it's pretty easy to screw that up as evidenced by green lantern and and several of the Superman movies. Um, it it pulls it off a really weird storyline as well as I think it possibly could have like, not that the Thor movies like greatness, but I don't think it could be any better given the subject matter. Um, and, and given, I mean, this is a, a king of some planet that gets teleported here on some thing where, you know, Stringer Bell is guarding it. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like the, if you were to pitch this movie, I think you would be laughed out of the room and, and they really, they pulled it off and made a pretty entertaining movie. A lot of that, I mean, honestly, I think falls on Hemsworth. I mean, I think, uh, you know, Downey Jr. is just so out of this world. Um, but when you watch Avengers, I mean, every eye in the theater goes to Downey, but if any of them divert, uh, they go to Hemsworth, Helmsworth, yeah. however you say his name. I mean, he he's he's a really charming figure, much more than than say a Chris Evans, um, or even a. You know, I love Mark Ruffalo, but um, I think he's an actor, not a movie star. Um, so, going back to my original point, uh, while Thor was impossible to pull off and was pulled off 
reasonably well. Um, Avengers was <laughs> even crazier to pull off because then you have to incorporate Thor into this real world superhero world, and uh, I'm going to say world as many times as possible. And, and it was done. Uh, it was done so well, and, and it's such a it's such a fun movie. It's it's uh, the only criticism I have of Avengers is like, gosh, why couldn't this come out when I was nine? Because I would still be like just running around my house, you know, nine months later uh, or a year later. Uh, And uh, unfortunately, it came out when I was 26. So, I, you know, I stopped pretending I was Captain America like probably after like three months as opposed to uh, still doing it now. So, yeah, what a great movie. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, let's talk about – I think we've talked a lot about what we love. Um, Is there anything that you guys don't like? it's not necessarily stuff that I don't like that I want to mention, but just stuff that's kind of, um, I don't know, illogical about it. Do you know what I mean? Um, like, for example, um, spoilers coming up right now, but if you haven't seen this movie by spoilers. now, then um, the um, the scene where basically the New York is being attacked, right? And so Black Widow. Is is down on the ground and she kind of grabs one of the Chitari chariots as it's as it's driving by, and um, the Chitari guy is literally chained to the chariot with like a chain that you would buy at like Home Depot or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay. And she like she like rips the chain or like cuts the chain and the guy goes flying off the chariot. I was like, what? Did they stop at like a hardware store? They're like guys. We got these chariots. We've got us. We're gonna need something to hold us on these things, and we're gonna go flying off. Did but, uh, no one bring just... a bungee cord? <laughs> it, Damn it, it so Phil! Random. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you had one job, and um, that that was just something I noticed in in my last uh, last viewing that I kind of wanted to mention. It was kind of funny. And Nick Fury is always always. Let's talk about Samuel L. Jackson's character, Nick Fury. Um. Always has a pistol, and he's always trying to shoot at like vehicles. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. why? <laughs> yeah. There's one moment in the film where he grabs a bazooka, and it's awesome, and he like blows up an airplane. But then, like, there's the first scene of the movie where where Loki's kind of driving off in the in the in the cars in the chase. Yeah, Nick Fury like tries to shoot at him with a gun, and then there's a a scene where a plane's taking off, and Samuel Jackson pulls out his pistol like. Oh man, I almost had him. You know, uh, just just so funny, kind of to me. Uh, what'd you guys think about about Nick Fury, Brian? Yeah, he, honestly, of all those characters, I know he's supposed to be. I know why he's in the movies. I I understand his value. Um, I kind of feel like at this point in his career, Samuel Jackson is just playing Samuel Jackson, um, and so Nick Fury kind of takes on that same persona that I don't know, the guy from snakes on a plane has, you know, or whatever other movie, uh, Samuel Jackson's doing these days in, I mean, without not, uh, not counting Django, obviously that's a much different, uh, that to me feels like the first Django is the first thing that I feel like Samuel Jackson has acted in, in a really long time. Um, so all that to say, he's not my favorite part of this movie of all the main characters his value in my mind is is probably fairly low compared to the rest of them, but that's not 
I mean, he's it's still an an interesting part of the movie, and he, you know, he has a couple of good lines, and uh, you know, he's an enjoyable character. I just don't enjoy him nearly as much as I do uh, Tony Stark or uh, Bruce Banner or any of the rest of the the main the main guys. Yeah, I um, um, wanted to mention about about Nick Fury. It it seems like you know he's supposed to be. The Shield organization is supposed to be this super like high organization that's above the government, right? And yeah. Nick Fury is supposed to be the head of it. I don't understand why they had to have the uh, like council meetings. You know what I mean? Like overseeing. Yeah, that's true. That's I, true. I don't know exactly what that contribute. I mean, maybe we'll find out in Avengers two what their yeah. role is. Well, uh, look. Hopefully, if, if you can get Powers Booth in your movie, you have yeah. to do it. Yeah, so, exactly. That's the only way they could get him in. So. Ask MacGruber. That's right. Uh, Richard, what did you think of, of Nick Fury? I'm 100% with Brian. I mean, honestly, until Django, I was pretty Sam Jackson. I was a little let down, I'm going to say. I thought Nick Fury was going to uh, freaking kick some ass in this, yeah. this movie, and he did. He's, he's pretty much the same as he is in all the movies, in all the Marvel movies, except with more screen time. I mean, it's it's still yeah. pretty uh, one-dimensional. Uh, yeah, I'm a little over Sam Jackson until Django, which kind of reinvigorated me. Was uh, I think a pretty you know uh, interesting his first interesting performance in in quite some time. Um, yeah. And this movie falls in. I, I just don't really you know it, it, I don't understand how how he got this job. Um, he seems kind of um, rash and out there. And you know how do you get the <laughs> the job of head of Shield? You know what school do you go to? I'd like to see some sort of graduate degree. I mean, what is he? Uh, what is he doing? No, I, I, you know, I get why he's there. It, it seems like he's. They don't really know what to do with him, whether to make him kind of fun and funny or intimidating or or what. Um, so he kind of seems like he's about six different characters in one. And at times it, it, it hits and works really well, and other times it doesn't. And uh, and it's it's fine though. I mean, I, I think he's he's perfectly. It's fun to see Samuel Jackson in a superhero movie, I guess. Yeah. Something that I loved about about Whedon's Whedon's screenplay and, and Whedon's direction here, and I don't know if it was his his idea, but I'm assuming it was. Um, not only do we get um, the assembling of the Avengers at the beginning and the Avengers defeating their enemy, you know, at the end, but in between when they meet and when they when they fight, they're fighting each other. Do you know what I mean? We literally yeah. get battles between. Oh, I want to. I want to like as a fanboy, you're like, oh, I would love to see Thor versus Captain America, or I would love to see Iron Man versus the Hulk. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and we get the, those moments and kind of leading up to the to the big battle where they can all get along. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? The, the Iron Man fighting with or, or feuding Iron Man, with Thor Iron Man against it's Thor. Really yeah. good. Yeah, it's really an enjoyable part of that movie, and I felt like kind of set the tone for what to expect. Um, for the remainder of the film. It, uh, Whedon did an incredible job of, we, we already mentioned how well he brought the tones, the various tones of the, of the other films together, but he, he also did a great job both directing and, and in the, the, the uh, script of taking those characters and dividing up um, the screen time to where you never felt like, Anybody was getting too much screen time or too little screen time, too few lines, too many, you know, anything like that. Um, and, and you get these uh, these great interactions between the characters that I honestly feel like most 
I feel like there are very few writer directors who would have gotten that right. Do you guys agree with me on that, or am I am I way off base on that? Yeah, I think uh, most directors wouldn't have given you the heroes fighting each other at all. Yeah, you know, it yeah. would have been the heroes, you know, get together and they they discuss, you know, why they should or shouldn't do it, and they do it, but they are not going to literally like fly out of airplane, you know, fighting each other or whatever. Um, so it's really, um, I really, really like that about it. I want to talk a little bit about, um, about Captain America. Um, I really just feel like he doesn't fit in, in this movie at all. Do you get, did you guys get that feeling at all? I really feel, he just feel like looking at him compared to the other guys, like it really just feels like he was shoehorned in, shoehorned in there kind of, um. His, I think his that's costume kind of, is kind of lame, you know. Yeah. It's like over the top almost. It's um, and even when he's not in costume, he's in like this all blue like, um, I don't even know. It's like Under Armour like yeah. top and pants, and it's just like so like lame looking. Um, and he really doesn't have much superpowers other than running and and shielding himself. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I'll, this, I'll play. I loved Act- Captain. I I know what you're gonna say, but I loved Captain America as a film. I thought it was a great standalone film, but here it's just like kind of, I don't know. It just felt kind of lame to me. I I'll play the the devil's advocate on that and say that I think that that's purposeful and uh, that's the way that it was supposed to be. Captain America, just from a uh, very limited comic book knowledge, but but. Uh, from the movies that we've seen before this and, and anything that I do know from the comics, Captain America is a throwback, obviously, to a a past time, a, a more simple time. And I I think they played it really hard. They definitely hit that that note, maybe to your point, Kent, maybe too hard and maybe too often. Um, but I personally, I feel like his uh, almost groundedness, if that makes sense, uh, compared to a semi-god from another uh, another galaxy and an uber-powerful billionaire and a green monster and whatnot. His, his groundedness <laughs> um, makes the – it adds a little bit of humanity to the film. And otherwise, I think you, you run the risk of those characters becoming so outrageous and so big that you can't relate to them. And I think it's important in a superhero movie – this may sound strange, but I think it is important in a superhero movie that you that the audience relates to the hero and relates to the character. Honestly, that's part of my problem with Superman as a whole. Like I mentioned earlier in the in the the podcast, that I'm not a huge fan of Superman. I find he he bores me, and I think a big part of that is because there's no relevance, in my opinion, to me. Um, Speak for yourself. <laughs> but uh, I, I think hey, my name I, is Kent. I just wanted to remind that's you that. that's true. That's true. <laughs> But I, I think Captain America, in this in this sense, at least in this film, um, he brings a little bit of that humanity and that groundedness to the film, and and gives them a moral compass. And again, he Whedon definitely hit that note hard, but I never felt like it was Hallmark movie uh, hard. You know what I mean? It, it never just beat you over the head with these this sense of uh, of morals and and what is right and what is wrong, and and so. To your point, I think you're right, but I think that that's the way that it's intended to be, and I personally find that very appealing about the film. Right. My, I was talking more mainly from a a visual standpoint, almost. 
Okay, like it, sure. He just sticks out so hard. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like when they're in the in the conference room scene, especially, it's just like he was like photoshopped in there almost. It's like if they gave him maybe even more of a modernized. I mean, I know they talk about it in the movie, like, oh, I've I've made some adjustments to your uniform. It's more modernized, but I really didn't feel like it was more modernized. You know, if they had given him like a black, you know, Captain America with like red, white, and blue accents on it, you know, kind of a more like Avengers style um, thing. And his little helmet thing that he wears just looks so goofy to me. Yeah. Um, it just looks so, so goofy. I mean, it doesn't look like it protects him whatsoever. Um, but that that was just, um, I just wanted to get your, your guys' thoughts on, on Captain America. What did you guys think about Hulk? Uh, I thought that that was the first time in the history of of uh, TV or movies that someone has gotten the Hulk right. Um, I enjoyed – I like Ed Norton in general, so I, I enjoyed his take on, on the Hulk, but it wasn't – it didn't quite work. Um, and then obviously the, the Ang Lee movie Hulk is pretty rotten, and even the, the TV show from back in the 70s is really – uh, very cheesy. Um, it's terrible. You can say terrible. It is. It's, there it's was, bad. There, I mean, it fit was... the time, and that's fine. But it it doesn't hold up, and it's not it's not good. And Lou Ferrigno can't speak English, so that that also didn't help. <laughs> it. Uh, um, sorry if Lou's listening. Please don't beat me up. You know, hey, um, uh, I don't think he's listening because he is deaf. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, no, but uh, for personally, I was not. I don't like Mark Ruffalo. Just bothers me. Um, I've never enjoyed, I don't think I've ever enjoyed any performance that he's ever given. I was really bummed about his inclusion in the film, uh, especially over a guy like Ed Norton that I really, I really do dig. Um, so, but he, man, he hit it, he hits it just right. Um, he brought the right amount of, uh, of frustration with the, you know, the, it's almost a curse that he has this, you know, this, uh, ability, if you want to call it that. Um, he brought a little bit of humanity and humility to it. And then Whedon wrote his character perfectly. Um, I would love to see, I know they had talked about doing another Hulk movie and then that had kind of gone by the wayside. Um, I almost would only want to see another Hulk movie if, if Whedon would write and direct it. Um, cause I think he just did such an incredible job of, of fleshing that character out when previously it had not found its stride by any means. Well, Brian, I'm, I'm going to make the exact opposite point of you, okay. uh, it, but it's not it's not counter your point. It's just the exact opposite. I love Mark Ruffalo. I love a lot of his performances. I think he's great. Um, but him as the Hulk, who I he, I thought he was fantastic. I think the success of that character um, is reliant on the sort of limited exposure. Um, I think if if Edward Norton was given the chance to just be in twenty percent of a movie, um, he would have been brilliant as well. Um, I, th- I think if you sort of overexpose that character in an hour and a half, it's easy to nitpick. Um, Hulk is, I think, like uh, you know, like a closer in baseball. I mean, he's great for an inning, but if you want him pitching eight innings, uh, it's probably going to be a, a, a crap show. So, uh, you know, while I love Ruffalo and I think that character's written really well, um, I think that's the perfect. I, I do not want to see a Ruffalo Hulk movie at all, no matter who writes it. I think that is the perfect way to use the Hulk. I think we should have you know each of these movies for these characters, and then that should be 50% of the reason we look forward to Avengers movies should be that we get to see the Hulk, and then we do not see him for four years, and uh, that's kind of his time to shine. That would be my ideal situation, but uh, that's just my opinion. 
That's an interesting take. I hadn't thought about it that way. You're that's a that's a uh, I, I like that idea. You're 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 right. I mean, I, I personally would still like to see it happen just because I I feel like that character deserves a good movie. You know what I mean? That uh, based around <laughs> around the character. Um, but uh, to your point, you're you're uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, despite the fact that I would like to see it done, but you're 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 probably right that it might not be, it could not be done correctly. That's Okay, one thing I wanted to mention about about the Hulk, the the scene where at the particularly the climax of the of the last battle scene, basically the ending of the battle scene, whenever whenever Mark Ruffalo's like just rides rides in on like a like a moped or whatever in the middle of the yeah. battle, and he's yeah. like, um, <laughs> it is kind of a moped, you're right, yeah, <laughs> and then like Iron Man's bringing the Leviathan, uh, you know, toward him or whatever, uh, the big like robotic beetle, I yeah. guess you could say. And Hulk turns around and, and, or Captain America or somebody's like, Hey, don't you need to get angry first? And he turns around and he's like, I'm always angry. Right. And immediately transforms into the Hulk and busts, you know, busts through the guy. I mean, that's really cool and everything, but it pretty much negates everything that they did in every film leading up to the Hulk, his whole inner struggle with it and everything. Basically means that that was all. I don't know. Was he playing everybody, or um, or what was going on there? I I took it more as he's finally he's he's figured out how it works. Because um, if you remember at the end of the Incredible Hulk, the one with uh, with Norton, the kind of post credit scene. I think, or maybe it's right. I don't know. Maybe it's right before credits. I've only seen that movie once or twice, but it's uh, it's kind of him. Where he opens his eyes and he's yeah, like the Hulk. Yeah. yeah. And he's kind of gaining control over the power or learning how to use it or whatnot. I, I took it as that, um, that, you know, his secret is that he is always, he's always angry. That's how he's able to kind of control what he's, what he's doing. But even still, even under control, he's still a massive force of destruction. So he's got to be careful with that. That's, that was how I, I went with it. Yeah. Um, any other things, uh, you guys want to mention? I want to talk about, um, I think the whole point of doing the Avengers uh, tonight was to talk about where we think they're going to go in Iron Man 3. Um, uh, Richard Barden, what do you think they're going to go uh, do in Iron Man 3? I mean, I, I you know, I, I had my ideas. I mean, it's it seems almost counterintuitive to talk about. I mean, Avengers is such a climactic movie. Mm-hmm. It kind of seems weird to then epilogue it. Uh, but, uh, you know, from what I've seen of it, of, of of uh, Iron Man three, it seems you know obviously different director, but uh, it seems like a totally different tone. It's almost like this sort of Avengers maybe capped Marvel Plan A, and now they're moving into Plan B, which is maybe darken the franchise a little bit. Now you have this established audience, maybe you can try to grow up with that audience a little bit. Um, so it seems like it's darker in tone, and uh, as far as actual story things, I, I don't know anything about comic books. Uh, so I, I can't help you there, but I, I can speak sort of thematically uh, about it, and uh, it looks obviously darker. And, and you know, now now this has happened to Iron Man as a solo person, and now he's he's worked with this team, and now what is what lessons does he take from that to his solo work? Which is one of the dumbest sentences I've ever said, and I regret saying it almost instantly. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that seems to be the general tone of from what I've seen. But I, I honestly have avoided trailers for the most part because I. I like my blockbusters to kind of surprise me. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be, like you said, be very dark. Um, apparently, Joss Whedon saw a screening of it um, 
about a month or so ago, and I don't know how it's even possible that that they didn't run by uh, Iron Man 3's um, How It Ends Up before he started writing Avengers 2, which he's almost done with, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, But basically they said he went and saw a screening of Iron Man 3 and went to Kevin um, uh, Feige or whatever and the producer of Marvel and said, what the heck am I supposed to do now? Because of the ending, because of what happens. So I don't know what happens. Um, I'm assuming that my guess is that Iron Man is going to go float into space and he's just going to float away into space and nobody's going to know if he dies or is alive. It's going to be a climax or like a cliffhanger ending, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I loved, loved the latest trailer I saw for Iron Man 3 where like all the Mark, Mark 1, 2, 3, everything suits are all, you know, um, basically an army of Iron Men, you know? Yeah. That, yeah. that's going to be incredible. That's, that's how it, it ends. Then I'm, I'm really excited. Brian, what do you think? No, I, yeah, I think I, I'm very excited about Iron Man, Man three. Um, I was disappointed that Favreau is not going to be directing it, but I think Shane Black is a great choice Amen, uh, brother. To, to finish that off. Um, I, I can't think, I don't think he's ever done anything anywhere close to this level as far as big time blockbuster stuff. But, uh, kiss, kiss, bang, bang is an outstanding movie. And, um, and I think he's a very good director. Yeah. Um, I I am with you, Kent, in that I think we're going to get some sort of open-ended ending. Um, not necessarily – I for a while, I kind of th- – I thought – and it might honestly be the best way to go would be to kill to kill off Iron Man or kill off Tony Stark. Um, but I, I think at most what we're going to get is something similar to, uh, say, the end of Dark Knight Rises, which – you know, sort of ends in this, uh, is he dead or is he not a kind of open ended, but give you at the same time, give you a satisfactory, uh, close to the trilogy. Um, I'm taking this, I saw today or maybe yesterday that, uh, that Downey had said, this is, if not, is his last, uh, role, uh, go through as, as Tony Stark, then, uh, then he's certainly considering that. So I, I think we're going to get an ending that gives you gives him the option to walk away if that's what he wants to do. Right. So, but does anyone worry about the sort of similarity to that the arc of Iron Man two with that type of I mean, pardon me with with Dark Knight Rises with that kind of ending? If if do the ambiguous is he dead or is he not with maybe a wink at the end? Yeah. I mean. Isn't that exactly? <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like they'll they'll catch a lot of crap for that. Yeah, um, it yeah. can't it can't be that. And and the Dark Knight Rises the way it ends, it's like they do the is he dead or is he not? But then they do a scene after that where it's like oh right. he's not. Yeah, you know it's like why even do that scene? I was on the I was on the edge of my seat, you know, wondering. And then they're like kind of spoiled at the end. But yeah, I I don't think they'll do that. I mean, hopefully not. Um, I it's really hard to imagine them doing um, the Avengers two without Iron Man. You know, because I mean that's, that's such a huge box office draw. You know, um, yeah. Maybe they're going to go in the direction of Iron Man leaves and Guardians of the Galaxy meet up with the Hulk. You know, and um, you know the other Avengers are sprinkled throughout. You know, Thor and and everybody. But it'd be hard to imagine, honestly, because like I said in the beginning of this podcast, Iron Man's my favorite, and. I love the character. I, I want all the Iron Man stuff I can get, really. I'm I'm super, super excited for this movie. I believe it's the first Iron Man to be released in 3D. It's the first gritty one, you know, kind of that yep. we've seen, Shane Black. So 
um, Ben Kingsley as the villain. I mean, this is going to be awesome, guys. Really be awesome. Yeah. So look forward to that. Um, you guys want to move on to weekly recommends? Sure. sure. Go ahead, Richard. Okay. Um, my weekly – and I cannot speak. My weekly recommend is uh, – I'll do another book this week because I'm reading a lot lately because I've been traveling. It's a book called Going Clear. I uh, won't spend a lot of time on it, but Lawrence Wright, who wrote, uh, I think, the definitive book about uh, the 9-11 attacks, uh, The Looming Tower, which is a fabulous book as well, has written kind of a tell-all on Scientology. Uh, since oh. this is sort of a Hollywood-themed podcast, I, I thought I would – I would, you know, Scientology seems to uh, be highly involved with our, uh, with a lot of our, you know, we've got Oblivion next week and all that. So uh, it's a really, really interesting read about not only the history of Scientology, but the current status of today. It's rather terrifying in parts. It's highly entertaining. It's kind of funny in parts. Um, He's a great, he's a great journalist. Um, I I put him maybe one tier below, kind of maybe a Michael Lewis or somebody like that. I mean, he's just a really great writer uh, that can write about really anything and make it pretty interesting. And uh, Lawrence writes, Going Clear, the untold story behind Scientology. That is my recommendation of the week. Great. Uh, sounds interesting. I'll, I'll probably check that out. Brian? Yeah, mine's kind of a, a two-parter. Um, I saw I – went, I went on, uh, I guess yesterday or the day before, whatever, uh, and saw 42 uh, at my local theater. And okay. um, I want to recommend it half-heartedly. Um, and then use it to talk about a movie I really do like. Um, here, okay. The thing with Forty Two is that it's not a good movie, but <laughs> um, the uh, the performance of the lead, Chadwick Boseman, who plays Jackie Robinson, is so good that it elevates what should be a C or a C plus movie to a B or a B plus. Um, his performance is it, it really is so good that I that I feel like people should see it just so they they get a look at at what he's doing. Um it's it really is it's easily my favorite performance of the year so far and I know we haven't gotten anywhere close to uh the type of movies that are usually going to put out the Oscar caliber performances and whatnot but um it's a very he's a very very good very powerful uh actor very powerful performance. It's just unfortunate that the rest of the movie. I mean, there's there are moments that are good. Um, Harrison Ford is not awful at times. Um, there's a couple other. There there are some things that are enjoyable about the movie. It's it's definitely not one that I would say you know people should avoid. It just uh, it it does not live up to how great the uh, the lead is. Um, but while I was watching it, all I could think of, I kept thinking more and more about uh, a movie that I do love uh, that's very that's baseball-related, a biopic. Um, it's called 61, uh, which was an HBO movie written, I think, directed. I don't know about yeah. it. Directed, directed by uh, Billy yep. Crystal um, from about uh, 10 or 12 years ago about Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle's chase for uh, for 61 home runs to top uh, Babe Ruth's record. Um one of my one of my twenty or twenty five favorite movies, uh, a movie that I go back and watch. I make a point of watching at least once a year. Wow, um, I didn't know you loved that movie that much. Yeah, it's- yeah, I think it's just it's a the performances from from uh, from Barry Pepper and Thomas Jane too are both very very subtle, understated, and very strong. Um, and the, the the movie as a whole, I felt like very much embraced the culture of of baseball and, and through baseball America, 
uh, during that time period. Whereas this this movie forty two uh, tries to do that, but misses the mark more often than not, and just comes across as uh, comes across as a a white man trying to because it is written directed by a white guy. Forty two is uh, Ugh, comes across as. I know we're awful. The worst. <laughs> we, are, yeah. we are awful. It comes across as a white guy trying to exercise his his white guilt um, and and trying to uh, to alleviate that. Whereas sixty one really throws itself into the culture of baseball uh, in in that time period. So um, check out forty two at the theater because it is worth it just for Chadwick Boseman's performance. Um, and and if you if you haven't seen sixty one. It's definitely worth a rent. Uh, I don't think it's on Netflix or anything like that, but try to get a hold of it and uh, and give it a give it a whirl because it's a it's a very good movie and one of my favorites one of my favorite movies overall. Definitely one of my favorite, probably my favorite sports movie of all time. Brian, question for you regarding his performance. Um, yeah, and this is I'm not trying to I haven't seen it, so I, uh, this is solely based off the trailer. Uh, Jackie Robinson had a certain uh, very distinct kind of high pitched speaking voice. Um, he has, and from what I saw in the trailer, the the actor I don't know if it's the actor's choice, or director's choice, kind of has this low, yeah, very calm, and and that doesn't matter. You don't have to perfectly uh, mimic the person in order for a good performance. I'm not one of those type of people. But does he ever really go fully authentic with the almost a Robinson impression, or does he kind of put his own spin on it and just try to get the the essence of the character? No, yeah, he he stays in the the lower register okay. the entire the entire time. This is. Not to get off into a forty-two kick, but it forty-two is really It's not a biopic. It's okay. it's. I mean, I know that it's being it's be, it's certainly being billed as a biopic, but it's um, it's almost a fictionalization of the better parts of a great man's life. If okay. that makes sense, um, there are no there are no. If you took this Jackie Robinson to be the Jackie Robinson, then he's you know the most perfect man in the history <laughs> of the world. And that's fine. I'm not. I'm not bashing that choice. It's just, I. Jackie Robinson is such a great personality and such a an important person in American culture, world culture. Culture. Um, I feel like he deserves to be shown the way that he was, not the way that he, that people would like to think he was. You know, forty or fifty years down the line. You know what I mean? It's it's not that he was a bad person by any means. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. I just. There are no flaws in his character in this movie whatsoever. It's it's a an illustration of the better points of his of his journey and of his life. So right. So it's the opposite of Ray, right? Ray yeah. is someone that we beloved. You know, everyone loved Ray Charles, and you saw Ray, and you're like, "Whoa, Ray Charles had a super dark life." Right. Right. And uh, this is kind of the opposite of, of someone that we also really love, but uh, just kind of, yep, you should love him more. Yes. You should go to Jackie Robinson Church on Sunday. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, okay. that's definitely what it is. I had heard a podcast or a read a review or something recently that uh, apparently uh, Rachel Robinson, his his widow, Jackie's widow, has been very adamant about has refused numerous uh, biopics in the past. Like Spike Lee was supposed to do one at one point with Denzel Washington, um, and I think there's been another two or three iterations at some point yes. or another. And she's refused them basically because they are – because they do show the darker sides of, of this character. And, you know, I, again, 40 – it's fine. It's It was the, the, the way that they could get the movie made, you know, uh, was, was to go this route. But it's not – it's just not quite – it doesn't live up 
but it doesn't come close to living up to what what Jackie deserves. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, the performance it is uh, Chadwick Boseman. It's it's Denzel in his prime level of of uh, of performance, and I. I can't. I mean, that's that's a tremendous uh, thing to say, in my opinion. Um, he he's incredible. It's worth seeing just for him. But don't expect it to be the biopic that that it's being billed as. <laughs> I saw a um, thesis on Forty Two. I think I saw it a number of places actually. Uh, it was basically Jackie hits a home run and then racism is over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, so uh, I'll I'll check it out. I really do want to see it. I love baseball, so yeah, um, yeah. I'll definitely check it out. Um, thanks, Brian, for that. My weekly recommend this week is actually a number of of, of things. It's um, this past week uh, actually, Cartoon Network sort of. I'm kind of the cartoon guy on this on this podcast, I guess. I'm really you're really, literally yeah. If, I'm really into animation know. and cartoon. I'm literally a cartoon. Yeah, he is the cartoon. Uh, we is in a straight gorilla style. Um, right. He's Tana's best actually. friends with DJ Scat Cat. So. Yeah. And Hong Kong yeah. Fooey and all them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, so they added a bunch of their old old original original cartoon series onto Netflix, um, including Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack. And Adventure Time and a bunch of bunch of their original series, but I wanted to talk. They also added Batman Beyond. Uh, I don't know okay. if you guys um, watched any of the Batman um, animated series. Yeah, but um, they're very very well done. All of them are. The animation style is awesome, and uh, Batman Beyond is kind of a a futuristic take on Batman. I mean, it's set in when Bruce Wayne is is quite old, and he's no longer Batman, but um, he kind of sort of passes the reins on onto a younger younger Batman. So, uh, have you any, any of you guys seen Batman Beyond? I think I have seen it. Are there multiple episodes, or is it just one movie? Now, there's like a the first two episodes, kind of a two parter. Okay. And the first, I think the first maybe three or four episodes are two parters. But I mean, it's a full it's a full series. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I've seen. An episode or part of an episode at some point. Or he's kind of got the like slick black uniform. Yeah. He's got red yeah. eyes. You know I added I mean? it to my queue uh, a couple of days ago when I saw that it popped up on, on uh, you know the recommendations or whatever. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think I've seen an episode and I I did enjoy it. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, and the reason I recommend it is it'd be good to go back and watch because um, I mean rumors have it that this is the direction that. Maybe DC is going to go in with the new Batman. It's kind of maybe Christian Bale comes on in a advisory role as Bruce Wayne, and maybe he passes the reins on to a um, John Blake, maybe sure um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt character or somebody else. So I think that's probably the most likely scenario, rather than yeah, than getting Christian Bale back as Batman is have him involved but not as Batman, you know. So. Um, Really good. Yeah, go check it out. All like I said, all the Batman series are are really really well done animation. They just added Justice League too, actually, to Netflix. The animated Justice League. So meanwhile, back, back at the podcast studio. Yeah, <laughs> classic classic stuff. I mean, awesome awesome animation. If you like animation, so uh, Brian Gill, uh, where can I find more of your work online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bgill12. 
uh, or my movie-related reviews and uh, shenanigans at thesoapboxoffice.com. And if you're listening for the first time, I apologize for stuttering over my words 100,000 times in this episode. I promise I can talk, and I'll do better next time. Richard Barton. Uh, you can find me at richardbarden.com or on Twitter at Richard Barden. And I also apologize for Brian uh, not being able to speak. That was a real poor job by you. And, yeah. And uh, better, you know, we need to, hey, we need to get better. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Hey, okay? I'm, I'm admitting my mistakes, okay, Richard? Gosh. That's that's for step one to recovery. That's right. Admitting your mistakes. That's right. um, you can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. You can email the show at madaboutmoviespodcast at gmail.com with uh, comments or topic suggestions, and we will take all those into consideration. Uh, leave us a comment on iTunes. Uh, give us a rating. Five stars would be, of course, recommended, but leave us one star if you think we suck. Honestly, do it. We don't care. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening, and um, next week we're doing Oblivion. So starting to get into the mother, uh, summer movies uh, season. It's contagious, Brian. I know. Look what you I, did. I've, I really brought us all down. Do you guys want to re-record or? Is that- yeah, let's just start over. <laughs> let's, let's just do over. this over. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm Richard uh, Barton. <laughs> this is mad. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No. See you guys. I love week. you both. I love you both. All right. Um, until next time, guys, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. See ya. After the party is the hotel lobby. Yeah. Around about four, you gotta feel the lobby. Yeah. Yeah. Take it to your room and somebody. Can I get a? Can I get a? Running her head through my fro. Bouncing on 24. Come on. Why they say Hot and fresh out the kitchen Mama rolling that body Got every man in here wishing Sipping on coke and rum I'm like, so what, I'm drunk It's the freaking weekend Maybe I'm about to have